KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. So it's April 2nd and it's already been quite the month. When it comes to the economy and not in a good way, of course, we saw the unemployment numbers today, 6.6 million people filing last week. It's really a number that is a struggle to get your head around. And, you know, where does it kind of go from here? There are a lot of questions about when these jobs come back. Will they come back? Will we see jobs in other sectors? Will there be some sectors that are able to bounce back once we get a handle on the virus? Will there be sectors that uh, may be forever really struggling or completely changed because of this? And really, what's kind of the the key to an economic recovery in the time of coronavirus? And we talked about all these things with Diane Lim. She's the director of outreach and the senior advisor for the Penn Wharton budget model and uh, really gave us a deep dive on these numbers, these questions, and I think you're going to want to hear what she has to say. So first thing, we see the unemployment numbers, 6.6 million people filing last week. That's on top of 3.3 million the the week before. Uh, Were these numbers you anticipated or were they more? Where were they as far as what you were expecting to see? You know, we knew it would be a big number. We knew it would be bigger than the week before. Because, you know, the week before was the week ending March 21st, and a lot of workers who had already gotten um, lost their jobs because they work in leisure and hospitality especially had not yet filed for unemployment. We knew it would be big. I don't think we, I don't think anyone was out there with predictions that it would be like double the 3.3 from the previous week to six point, over 6.6 million new newly unemployed filing for unemployment benefits. But we knew it would be big. And we're now up to, you know, over 10. If you add up all the weekly initial claims for unemployment for each week in March, right, we started out kind of normal, which we've gotten used to seeing around 200,000 every week, week after week after week for years. And um, so so much so that economists were kind of bored up with uh, weekly claims data and they weren't really paying much attention to it because it never moved. So we started out the 211,000 new claims on the first week of March, then 282,000, then 3.3 million new claims, and then six point, over 6.6 million. So we're up to over 10 million newly unemployed that have, who have applied for unemployment benefits in March. And, and that is a vast understatement of the truly unemployed, because many people aren't in, um, don't qualify to file for unemployment benefits because their employers were not paying into the unemployment compensation fund. They weren't paying taxes, or they worked as gig workers, um, or they're undocumented immigrants, or they just got laid off and haven't had a chance to figure out how to even file for unemployment benefits, or they've started the process to apply for unemployment benefits. But the states are so overwhelmed that, you know, most workers, most most applicants have to kind of wait in a queue for a while before they submit their application. You mentioned 
gig economy, and I was curious. We had heard so much when times were good the last few years about how much of the American economy was made up of uh, of people with you know gig workers and stuff like that. You mentioned or people mentioned Uber and stuff like that. How does this number? Is this number? going to continue to get bigger because of that is this a how much does yeah. the where we were as an economy going into this figure into this so the the gig workers that are have lost their job these are people who get paid by an employer who reports their income on 1099 forms as opposed to wage and salary forms so um true gig workers that are independent contractors rather than traditional employees they will not have been showing up yet in our March unemployment claims data because normally those independent contractors are not part of the unemployment benefit system. So when you're a gig worker and you are you do lose work, you're kind of on your own in in normal times. But the recent act passed by the Congress and signed by the president a week ago now was you know, had very generous extensions of unemployment benefits expanding to the population that doesn't normally qualify for unemployment benefits, as well as increasing the size of the payments. So a lot of people, a lot of workers who may have already gotten laid off or are about to get laid off are not fully aware of the uh, new unemployment policy. So we're definitely not yet seeing the numbers we're going to see in the next few weeks. Because, for example, just this week, we've heard announcements from big retail companies like Macy's and The Gap furloughing workers, laying off workers. Those people just found out this week, and they're not going to show up in any, even if they rush to the unemployment office to file their benefit application, they won't show up until next week's jobless claims numbers. When we talk about sectors of the economy, uh, are there sectors you have grave concerns about in the big picture? I mean, even past once we've Mm -hmm. gotten through the coronavirus. And are there sectors that you think will really be able to bounce back quickly? I think we have to keep in mind that this dramatic increase in unemployment is not really like our experience in past economic recessions, because past economic recessions were driven by some freezing up of the financial market system that tended to paralyze the entire economy all at once. And um, but slowly, um, you know, like people would start to get into financial trouble, and then that would reduce their demand for goods and services, and that would reduce the profitability of businesses, and they'd have to start cutting back their workforce. And that had feedback effects on reducing incomes and demand from households. So there was like this kind of chain of events that normally happens in some kind of sequential order. Um, This time around, it's not because of a slow erosion of demand for goods and services. It was from a sudden stoppage of um, economic activity, like certain businesses where their line of work relies on um, interpersonal human contact um, were told they could no longer do their work, right? Because we can no longer be in crowds. We can no longer be in gatherings. We can no longer be in public spaces together. So because of that, the initial economic impact of this downturn hit certain sectors of the economy more than others. It will also 
cause the economy to eventually recover in a, a sequence unlike past reco- economic recoveries because it's much more severe for certain parts of the economy and certain types of workers on the downside, but it'll also be more dramatic and easier to recover on the upside. Um, and the sectors that I'm talking about, right, the first businesses to close were really the leisure and hospitality industry businesses. So these are restaurants, bars, sports venues, concert halls, places that rely on business that has a lot of people coming in, paying for their their services. Those types of businesses disproportionately employ young, low-income, less educated, non-white, female workers, actually immigrants too. So those workers were already sort of the most economically vulnerable to begin with. A lot of those workers are part-time, low-wage, no benefits because they're part-time or they're gig workers, um, rely a lot on tips, which obviously you can't get even if you continue to get an hourly wage if your business is largely shut down. So, And, and no benefits means that they didn't have health insurance coverage, right? So the initial impact, you know, immediate impact of some of these leisure entertainment industries, businesses shutting down was to reduce wages immediately, reduce income immediately for these workers that are really the most vulnerable, did not have a cushion to rely on to be able to say, okay, I can sit out for two months and come back to work and I'll be fine. They're not those kinds of workers. They're not the kinds of workers that continue to work, can continue to work their jobs from home. They're not the kind of workers that have a lot of savings in the bank account and can pay rent when they're not getting a paycheck. And so that was the exact purpose of the of the um, relief package that Congress passed was to provide people with a minimum level of cash flow so that they didn't have to disrupt their entire lives um, in order to be able to stay put and kind of wait it out. So I'm most concerned, obviously, because of the the people that were most hurt were the most vulnerable. It's not clear that what Congress has already passed is going to end up being enough. The unemployment benefits they did pass, those are quite generous. So that alone for anyone who can apply for unemployment is good. But there are still a lot of people that won't be able to to claim unemployment. And there's a lot of questions about, you know, the current funding that Congress already passed for small businesses. It's not clear that, you know, they they have this loan program where loans will essentially be forgiven if these small businesses don't let go of their workers, if they or if they rehire them, if they've already laid them off, if they rehire them back to previous levels, they'll get these loans that will turn into grants. Well, apparently that's a fixed amount of money right now, you know, that was approved by Congress. And so and that's going to be kind of first come, first serve. So after that money runs out, and I'm, I have a feeling it's going to run out, they'll have to approve more money for that fund. So I think I'm most worried about the fact that what Congress has already passed, despite the fact that it was $2.2 trillion worth of stuff, is probably not going to be enough. Like we'll probably have to revisit this in several rounds as the months go on.
How much more difficult is the situation made economically from a job standpoint? The fact that there's really no playbook for this. This is not something we can. You talked earlier about how this wasn't, uh, you know, one section leading to another section's problem leading mm-hmm. to another. You know, this is kind of unprecedented. I know the, the term black swan gets thrown around a lot, but, you know, this is like uh, almost this perfect, crazy storm of things. How much more difficult does that make trying to project or trying to figure out where the help needs to go and what could happen? Yeah, well, I've been talking about this with my colleagues because we try to model these things. And, you know, most economists model things based on patterns and past historical data. And, uh, you know, so uh, we're a little bit at a loss, you know, all economists are, because we can't really rely on past history as um, a guide to how this is going to play out this time. And I think we do have to rely a lot more on whatever information we can get in real time. And that me as, as to giving us a clue as to, okay, what sectors of the economy and what types of workers in which states are able to come back to work now, right? Like, I think we have to get our clues from the weekly unemployment claims data, from online data, tracking business activity as much as we can from basically private sector online data rather than waiting for official government statistics. And I think that I think the answer is that economists don't really know how to predict this right now. And I think we every day we're we're trying to look at what information is out there and does it give us a clue as to the trajectory and, you know, turning points and um, whether we can try to forecast based on just the most recent data that we can find, whether we can forecast where we'll start to recover from this. Where, um, But I think it also means that economists more than ever before are actually looking at public health data because that is the driving factor, right, is um, we're trying to slow the spread and the pace of the disease. And I think that that is the number one constraint right now on the economy. It's not that people don't demand goods and services and don't want to spend money. It's not that people don't want to work. You know, it's like we've got all our productive capacity still there. And actually, a lot of demand still there. It's just the demand is being forcefully suppressed right now. We can't consume the way we usually consume. We can't go out and spend money. So I think that what economists are looking at is we're looking at the coronavirus data in terms of case cases and severity. I mean, we're looking at things like mortality, too. But honestly, that is sort of I don't want to minimize the cost of that, but the economic cost right now is just simply because um, large segments of the economy are not allowed to continue to do their usual things. And we're trying to translate the health data, the data on caseload and spread and the state's policies on, you know, um, stay-at-home orders I think that we just have to follow what's happening to the spread of the disease and try to figure out uh, or just react in real time to as things start to get better, as there's some sign that the shutdowns of businesses has sort of maxed out and now we're only going to be waiting for businesses to come back online. Once we start to see that, we'll have a better idea of how bad has it gotten and how fast can we recover economically? 
I think right now we're still obviously, given that we had 3.3 million new unemployment claims last week, 6.6 million claims this week, we're obviously still in a free fall at the moment. So we don't know. We, you know, I, I think we don't know how many more parts of the economy are going to get shut down. And so the more rapid the spread, the less we're on, in control of the public health problem, the worse it's going to get economically for a while. So until we see the public health problem start to lessen, then we're not going to see the bottom of the economy. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. Thank you.